Hey, welcome all of you who are uh, online watching and being a part of our family with us. We're, we're so glad you're able to be with us. Let me add something to what Donnie said about Jersey Weekend uh, for all of us who are going to be here. Um, maybe you don't have a football jersey. In fact, maybe your thing is hockey or baseball or what most of the world calls football, soccer, you know, so just whatever jersey or t-shirt you have, if you want to bring that, wear that next week, that just adds to kind of the festivity of the Super Bowl week, and that's, that's what we're trying to do with that. But I just need to add one more thing. For all the Raiders fans, your jersey's okay, please leave your knives and your guns at home. Okay, so we're just to be clear, need to be clear about that for all the Raiders fans. Oh, because they don't, they don't know. Uh, I was telling some guys today, I was driving in town. I, I typically am fine. I don't, I don't ever fear for my safety, but I had a car right in front of me that had Raider stuff all over it, and I got really worried. Uh, you never know what they're going to do. Anyway, um, just having fun with that. Please don't shoot the messenger, literally, because you're a Raiders fan. You might shoot me. Um, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. So this week, we had a chance to uh, take all of the uh, socks and underwear that you guys brought over the month of, you know, we packed, I mean, this is packed, uh, full of a truck. We got to take it down to the Hemet Unified School District Clothes Closet. By the time we unpacked it all, it covered like six different tables. And uh, anyway, they, they are overwhelmed. And it's kind of cool, too, where we take it and deliver it is over near uh, some of the school district stuff off of uh, uh, the old Santa Fe campus, which was originally Hemet High, and then it was a middle school, and they used that whole area for a lot of stuff. And some of the special needs uh, adult kids came and helped us carry it all in. And it's just so cool. They're, they're, the joy on their face to see all this, and it, it, was, it was cool. So um, Ray and uh, Steve Sorensen and myself, uh, we got it all over there, and then they helped us carry it in. But that's just because of you guys, so thank you, Thank you, thank you for your generosity. It's awesome, awesome stuff. And um, I don't know, I can't remember. I think this is the fourth year we've done that. Um, for those of you who don't know the backstory on that, we asked them originally, what's the greatest need that you have, thinking it was going to be coats and sweatshirts and sweaters. And they said, no, it's underwear and socks. So that's what we take to help provide uh, the students in our area who are in need. And we get to partner with them and do that. Speaking of schools, um, it's, it's hard for me to even think this far back because I'm old, but I literally remember being in elementary school. I know that blows some of you little ones away. Um, I can remember being in elementary school, and we had this thing where um, we had a drill. Now, today we have like fire drills and all that kind of stuff. It's the same idea, except we were, we were preparing for a nuclear assault from Russia. Anybody else remember this? And this is what they would tell us. Oh, I went the wrong way, sorry. This is what they would tell us. The sirens would go off and we would hide under our desks. Um, being a little kid, I didn't know, but I, I knew that they told me to get under the desk, so I did. Now that I'm older, I'm thinking those desks were amazing because they would have, I went the wrong way again, they would have protected us from that. Um, those little desks would have protected us from a nuclear holocaust uh, that the Russians were going to bring. So I, I bring that up because it's no wonder that kids had anxiety. 
and fears and stress. You know, like most of the time we, we remember the good stuff. We remember being a kid, we didn't have a house payment. <laughs> you know, we didn't have responsibility. We just played until the lights went on and then it was time to go home. It's like, we, we remember that. But we forget, like we, when I was a kid, we had drills to prepare us for nuclear war. And we would hide under our little desks and practice. You know, it's like, that's just bizarre. But it's no wonder there was, there was anxiety and stress. And I'm not, it's, has it even gotten better though? I mean, we're outside of what we called the Cold War when all that stuff was going on. But with economic volatility and uh, natural gas prices that are 400% increased and you've noticed it in your bills. We have people saying, now oh, my bill last week was, uh, last month was 50, now it's 300. How does that happen? Um, somebody knows, but most of us don't know how that happens, and I'm not going to get into that one. I just know this, like with economic volatility, with relational brokenness and, and strife and stress from that, um, from occupational uncertainty. You know, used to people to say, I'm going I'm to have this job, and then 35 years I'm going to retire, and they get 30 years into it, and they're laid off. Like, we, we see that kind of stuff a lot. Um, health scares and health issues and health crisis of all kinds. Like there's, there's plenty, plenty, plenty of stuff to worry about and to be anxious about. Well, Max Lucado in his book, Help Is Here, talking about the Holy Spirit, he says this, anxiety is not a sign of weakness, but anxiety does weaken us. Let me read that again, because I want to make sure you get this. Anxiety is not a sign of weakness, but anxiety does weaken us. Now, in reading his book, he, he cites this uh, study that was done in 2018. In 2018, there's a study by the American Psychiatric Association revealed that 51%, so in case you're not good at math, that's just a little bit more than half, okay? We just, 50 is half. 51% of Americans describe themselves as anxious tipping the scales in the favor of worry for the first time. In all the years that they've been doing studies like this, this 2018, finally there was more people worried than not worried, who just felt like they were living with that kind of anxiousness, that kind of stress, that kind of fear, that kind of worry. Look at the date. This is before a worldwide pandemic virus changed everything. So, so since then, do you think things have gotten better or worse? How about a lot worse? And I don't need to bring you stat after stat after stat. I think most of us know that from young people to older adults, men, women, like everybody has to face the stuff that's going on right now, and it's not easy. And so you could say either you have had issues of anxiety and stress in the last couple of years, or somebody you know really well has, and so it just seems like it, it's, it's everywhere, right? So then I'm, I'm looking at all these different people dealing with this kind of stuff, and I continue to see uh, kind of this, this alarming thing about our younger people. And uh, we, we at our church, we care about young people, we care about the kids in school, we care about all that, and so I'm always kind of watching, and my radar's up for this kind of stuff. And uh, there was a, an article from uh, American um, Psychology Association that came out in October, and this is how they, they featured it. Student mental health is in crisis. Student mental health is in crisis. Campuses are rethinking their approach. So I'm not gonna give you the whole article. I just know that article led me to another article, led me to another article, and I'm just looking at how difficult it is even to be a young person in our culture right now. 
And they're like scary difficult. In fact, one, one thing I was reading said that three-fourths, so 75% of American college students have reported being either moderately or severely psychologically distressed, which is a fancy word for completely anxious, stressed out. Psychologically distressed. Three, four, 75% of our college students are feeling like that right now. Okay, enough of the bad news, all right? How about some good news? Uh, I, I was thinking this week in combating issues of anxiousness and stress, I think one of, the, one of the things I do is I turn to the promises of God. You know, um, like, I will never leave you or forsake you. Well, it's one of those promises you can cling to on the worst of days. Anybody here, like, it's hard for those of you online doing this, but anybody here have a promise of God that you absolutely love and you just hang on to? Just shout it out. Let me hear them. A promise of God. Yeah, Christ is the one that strengthens. I can do all things. Mercy seat. He is, a, he is mercy. I can go, go to him. Even though I am far from perfect, I can go to him. He has mercy and grace. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the We mentioned that earlier in the series. Talk about the Holy Spirit in us, right? Greater is he that is in me, right? What else? Another one? With God, all things are possible. That's repeated so many different times and in so many different contexts in the Bible. And we could go on and on. I know maybe you're, you're thinking of some now. Tell me afterwards when we're having ice cream. All right, but I, I want to go on, and I want you to see this. Here's, oh wait, I don't want you to say that yet. I don't want you to get ahead of me. Okay, so in, in the promises of God, what's, what's unusual is like I've asked that question a different Big groups, small groups, nobody ever says, and now some smart aleck's gonna do this Sunday because they know what I'm asking, but nobody's ever said this one. Uh, my favorite promise from Jesus is, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise. It's not one we wanna hear, right? So when does Jesus say that? He says that at the very end of John chapter 16. So let me read it to you, and then we're going to describe this. He says, I have told you these things. He's been going on for three chapters now. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Everybody say peace. Okay. Then he says, in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So one of the ways I always kind of put this little thing here, uh, we, we can read ahead to the end too. We know in Revelation who wins. And so it's kind of like one of those deals where, okay, next week is the Super Bowl. And uh, I have watched Super Bowls with the team that I root for and been completely stressed out. But if I watch a game that has been recorded and I already glanced at the score, right? No matter what happens, no matter how up and down the game is, I'm like, I know who wins. It looks bad right now in the first quarter. It looks bad in the second quarter. It looks bad in the third quarter. Oh, here they come. They win. I wasn't stressed at all because I know who wins. He says, I have overcome the world. I'm going to give you peace even though you are going to have trouble. So he says in John 14, 15, and 16, we looked at this a couple weeks ago, he repeatedly tells us, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. Remember, he's, he, he was translating it in, in uh, the NIV as, as advocate. Sometimes it's comforter, counselor, uh, encourager. And so he describes over and over in different ways what the Holy Spirit is going to do for us. He gives us all of that and peace is a part of what the Holy Spirit is able to bring us 
because this is part of Jesus' promise to us. So back in John 14, 27, he says it this way, peace I leave with you. He's describing the Holy Spirit right before this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Okay, I know there's a lot to be afraid about. I know there's a lot to be anxious about. I know there's a lot to be worried about. And he's like, you know what though? You can have peace. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, no matter what the circumstances look like, because we know who wins, and we know that he is with us, right? I want you to see this too. This is a quote from C.S. Lewis. Anybody hear, hear of C.S. Lewis before? So he's long since been with Jesus, but he, he was a prolific writer and thinker, and um, he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters, which boggles your mind when you read it because he's writing from the perspective of a demon training another demon. And so when he talks in terms of the enemy, he's talking about God. Now that's not C.S. Lewis's viewpoint. God was the one he honored, but he was helping us understand how demons might work. And so this is one of the quotes about that. Listen, there is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. So he's saying, he's one demon talking to another demon. He's saying, you know how you want to really get them messed up? Get them anxious about everything, and it's going to keep them barricaded in their mind against God. That, that's what he's saying. Okay, keep, it's, it's the opposite, but just think of this. He wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. If you've never read the screw tape letters, it's, it's really interesting reading. You kind of like put your brain on backwards to get it. But he's saying like our, our job is to keep them worried about what could happen instead of what they're gonna be doing as they follow Christ. He wants us anxious. The devil wants us anxious. The devil wants us worried. The devil wants us distracted because that's what demons do. They distract and they destroy. But this is a little bit about how their strategy might actually be working. But we have the actual opposite. We have the truth. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's, that's what he does for us. So let me go back to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 27. This is another translation of the verse I just read. This is the message, and it's just part of it. He just says, I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. Now understand, I, Jesus talks a lot about peace at the very time he's telling them he's gonna be arrested and tortured and crucified and then he's going to rise from the dead, and then he's going to leave them. But it's okay because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And all the while, he promises peace because of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. In us, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Peace. Peace. One of the things that um, I love about this whole passage when you, when you read through John 14, 15, 16, and then he goes straight into this prayer. And he, he's praying for us. Like he prays for his followers and he prays for the followers someday. 
And he says, I want you, I want, I want them to be united so that the world will know. I want them to be united so that the world will Here's what anxiousness and stress and fear does to the church. It pits us against each other with conspiracy theories, with political issues, instead of just saying, hey, Jesus, let's unite around Jesus. We may not agree on everything, but let's unite around Jesus. Let's be one, because what the world sees when the church is split and fighting and arguing, they, they don't see Jesus. And they don't see this peace that we so desperately need. In fact, I, I want you to hear this because I think sometimes we miss this part. I, I truly believe, as I read the Bible, that peace is a byproduct of walking with Jesus, walking with the Spirit. Peace is a byproduct. So what sometimes we do is we pursue what God can do for us. Now listen to the difference. But God says, pursue me, and you get this. Do you hear the difference? Sometimes we pursue God for what he will do for us instead of just pursuing God and getting everything. We, we pursue what we want from him. And he's like, that's not the right idea. And so I wanna come back to this as we work our way through some stuff because what he's gonna tell us is, is how we can literally, like day in and day out, continually be filled with his spirit, having him move and work in us, bringing us peace among, as well as a bunch of other great and amazing byproducts. So I'm gonna to go to the, the book of Ephesians chapter five. So in Ephesians 5, there's this section where, I'm, I'm going to explain this in depth in a minute, but I'm just going to tell you right now, it's, it's kind of this long section, but he really is like hammering one huge point at this one, and I'm going to get there, okay? But, but I want to kind of walk into it. So this is what he says first. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I'm going to stop right there for a second. I don't always do that. You know why? Because I'm distracted. Because I'm self-absorbed. Because I'm focused on my agenda instead of his. I, I don't make the most of every opportunity. Sometimes I'm unwise just because my mind is just scattered. I, I literally said to my wife a few days ago, I said, I'm sorry. The last couple of weeks I've been so preoccupied. I've had like a number of different things all happening at the same time. And uh, I'll talk about one of those later, but I, like, all these different things happen at the same time, and I just wasn't really giving her my attention. I would say four or five different times, she had to say to me, um, I already told you this. I know no guy in here can relate, but it happened to me a lot lately. Like, she's talking, and I, I'm out. And I'm thinking, maybe she's talking to somebody else. I'm the only other one in the house, right? So I know it's me, but I... I missed it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living wise, and I'm not making the most of every opportunity because I'm preoccupied with me and what I'm trying to figure out and do. Even if it's good stuff, sometimes it can be kind of preoccupied. So we, sometimes we miss the opportunity because we're not living wise. He says, because the days are evil. Because pay attention. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is what we're going to focus on next week. So if you're curious... How do, I, how do I hear what God's will is like day in and day out? Besides, I have his word. Like, how do I listen to the spirit of God leading and directing me? We're going to talk about that next week. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It's going to say that in a second, but I want you to catch this right here before we go on. 
He's going to say, you have two options when it comes to anxiousness, panic, worry, fear. And what a lot of people do is this is, this is how they deal with that. They numb the pain. They want to forget about the bad day they just had. This is the option that they go to. He says, no, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. He said, this is your, your, you can either be out of control or you can be under my control. Okay, now let's, from here on, starting right here, everything in the original language is one sentence. Okay, keep that in mind. Here we go. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in, uh, from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's all one sentence. Now, in most of our Bibles, if you look at your Bible, and you're in Ephesians chapter 5, you get to the end of verse 20, and then at verse 21, it starts a new paragraph, and, and he literally says, submit to one another, and then he says, okay, and wives, and husbands, and kids, and parents. He just gives a bunch of examples specifically for that, but that's literally a part of that sentence. So let me just do a little bit of like grammar with you. Like little, it's like an English lesson, but it also applies to the original language, but this is the idea. Here's the word he's using, though. Be continually feel, filled. This is all like a verb, all right? Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. How do we do that? And he gives us four phrases. These would be like parenthetical phrases. Um, all, like in the original, they all be ending like I-N-G. So speaking, singing, giving thanks, submitting. This is what he says. This is how you do that. Isn't that important to know? How can I, every single day, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Not just on the day that I give my life to Christ and His Spirit comes and lives. Like every day, I want to be filled up. I want Him to be in charge. Like every day, I want to renew my commitment. I want to say, okay, come on in. I, I can't do this on my own. Every day, how do I continually do that? By speaking songs, hymns, spiritual songs. We, we talked about this a few months back, just this, this, this idea right here. He says, speak songs and then sing songs. Hey, what's the difference? If you pay attention to the lyrics, uh, the words, there is some great depth and biblical truths in, in some of these songs. So he says, I want you to speak the, the truth of those things to each other. So this is like up here. It's like our head, right? Uh, I don't know if this happens to anybody else. It happens to me. When you're singing, somehow God turns a fountain on in your eyes. Ever notice that? You start singing all of a sudden. <laughs> there are certain songs that we do. I don't care how many times I've heard them. I can't sing it without just tearing up. And that's because I think speaking, while it addresses maybe our, our head, I think sometimes singing, look, there's emotional, like gut level, God working in me here. I, I actually had somebody say one time, I don't want to come to church. Every time I come, I cry. I'm like, um, it's okay, join the club. It's, it's kind of dark, and if you look around, a lot of other people are too. It's okay, don't, don't worry about it, right? So we, we have those things going on. And then he says, and giving thanks. Uh, I think one of the reasons he, he asks us to be giving thanks, these are all kind of worship things, by the way. Um, he says, I want you to be giving thanks, is perspective is important, and when you're anxious, 
and you have fear and you have worries, all that kind of stuff, one of the ways to put perspective on things is to go, wait a minute. I know I'm worried about this now, but I remember when God did this. Thank you. And God is doing this now. Thank you. Like giving thanks. The Bible even says give thanks in all circumstances. Like even in a bad day, what can I be thankful for? Because God's still on his throne. He's still in charge. His, still, his spirit is still with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. Some of the other promises you guys gave, we can be giving thanks and submitting. But how is that, how is that worship? Okay, here you go. Just put your thinking cap on with me for just a second. We're going to go on a little ride. Submitting. Most people, when they begin to read Ephesians chapter 5, and they get to verse 20, 21, and then they go, uh-oh, wives, submit to your husbands. By the way, that's just the first example. The second example is husbands, be willing to die for your wives. What does that mean, submit? It's meaning we, we're going to let our agendas be on the back burner so that somebody else's needs can be met. Okay? That, that's the true idea of what submitting is. In fact, Jesus, it says, he submitted himself to us. He took on human flesh and went to the cross for us. Like he submitted himself for our needs. And then he says, okay, and guys, husbands, that's your example, right? So submitting is, is, is a way to worship. No, wait a minute. Now, let me, let me say this one other way. When I submit to the needs of somebody else and I submit to somebody else who, who can never repay me? Somebody who may be, may be worse off? Maybe, maybe I submit myself by surrendering my time or my money or whatever it is to be able to help somebody else. This is, this is so cool. Jesus said this, whenever you help the least of these, you're serving me. You know what that is? Worship. We, we worship. Yeah, we worship when we speak and we sing the word of God. We, we know that. But, and when we give thanks, that, that's worship. But even serving, submitting, making sure other people's needs are met, that, that's all kind of worship stuff. So let me say it another way. It's all praise. You want to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you need to live a life of praise. That doesn't mean you're going around all day singing. You, some of you would get fired at work. I'm not going to let you do that. So how do I do that? Well, I can speak some of these truths. I, I can continually give thanks. I can, I can submit to the needs. There's other things I can do besides singing, I, but I can kind of incorporate all these things into my daily life so I can continually be filled by his spirit. One of my favorite stories of this in the Bible is about a guy named Paul and his his partner in crime at the time, not crime, actually, that's a bad phrase. Uh, his partner in mission was Silas in Acts chapter 16. They're in Philippi. They've gone there to plant a church, and they're arrested and beaten and put in prison because they were talking about Jesus. Okay, so put this in perspective. They're not in prison because they did something horrible and got caught. They're literally telling people about Jesus. They get put in prison. And it says, at about midnight, you can read this for yourself, Acts 16, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were in jail, worshiping and singing praises to God. You do not need perfect circumstances to praise. Because it's not about the circumstances, it's about who God is. So they literally are praising God. Now, here's what I love about the story. 
Paul and Silas had not read Acts chapter 16 yet. You know what I'm talking about? They didn't know how this was going to go. They didn't know how this was going to end. And so they're just, this is how they respond. They're beaten. They're thrown in jail. They're locked up. And we're not talking like nice, plush, like American jails. This is like dungeon stuff. They're in there, and they're in chains. And they're just praising God. Loud enough for the other people to hear. And then God sends this earthquake. Doors rattle and finally fall off. The jailer is literally going to kill himself because he figures everybody's gone and he's responsible. And if they catch people that had, had got out of his control, he's going to be killed anyway. So he's about ready to kill himself. And Paul goes, whoa, dude. And it's in the original language. Look it up. He says, dude, we're all still here. We're here. What? You're still here? Why? And so he'd been listening to them singing these praises. He's probably really confused. But now it all makes sense. Paul explains to him who Jesus is. That very moment, the guy goes and gets baptized. Him and his whole household. So he goes and gets his whole family because you guys got to listen to this. And so they listen, and then they get, and then, and then they go eat. I just think that's kind of cool. Like first thing they did, they went and got baptized. It's the middle of the night, and then they get something to eat. Why? Because these guys were continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how they did it. Listen to this. Max Lucado says this. Constant worship clears the debris from our hearts. Praise is the cleansing element that flushes the trash of worry and anxiety. All right. Personal note. I listen to a lot of kinds of music, not country. I don't have anything like against it. It's just never been my thing. never got into it. In fact, I went to the country... Uh, Western Music Hall of Fame in Nashville, and I loved it. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I found out it wasn't until the mid-60s that country people started singing through their nose. Like, who started? That was a stupid idea. I don't know who did that. I don't know who started it, but they said it in the museum. It didn't start until the 60s, all right? So that's not my thing. But I literally, I've grown up, I like rock. I like jazz. I like fusion stuff. I like R&B. I like soul. I like funk. That's weird. I like funk. Um, I, like, I like a lot of different kinds of music, right? And um, I noticed a few years back, my attitude wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I just thought, I wonder if it has anything to do with what I'm listening to. I don't know what triggered this. I don't know if I heard something or read something, but I'm like, I'm going to try an experiment. So for a few weeks, I, the only thing I listened to was worship music. The only thing I listened to. And I noticed my attitude changed and my heart changed. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I still don't listen to other, I still listen to other stuff. But that taught me a lesson of how valuable worship and praise is for my heart and why I need it. And if I continue to pour junk into my life, not being aware of what's going on there, I'm, I'm maybe not positioning my heart as a place where the Holy Spirit feels comfortable. Does that make sense? I, I need to be aware of what I'm doing to my own heart and my own soul and my own life. I need to make sure that what I'm putting in there is preparing a place. And he says it's worship that, that kind of cleanses that and pushes some of the stuff out that doesn't need to be there. And we need to make worship a priority in our life, like every day, not just when we come to church, but like the way we do you know, our life. That also helped me with part of our mission, our mission, stepping in, building up, living out. It helped me with the living out part, right? 
I'm still growing to be more like Jesus, building up, but it helped me with how I live this out day after day after day. In fact, this is interesting. This is the mission at Community, in case you're new here, stepping in, building up, living, helping people step into a relationship with Jesus, build that up, and then live that out. And, and this is so cool. The Holy Spirit has his hands all over all three of those things. Did you know that? He is the one that points people and softens heart and prepares people to hear about Jesus. He's the one with that flashlight that's shining it on Jesus. He's the one testifying about Jesus. He's the one, even though he might use you as a friend telling your story, it's the Holy Spirit working in that other person. He's involved there. He's involved here, helping them grow to be more like Jesus. That process of what the Bible calls sanctification, like being changed and transformed from the inside out. He's working in all that, and he's working every single day in our life as we live out our faith in our relationship with Christ. Like the Holy Spirit is involved in all this stuff. Francis Chan says this. He says, he desires to do more than help out a bit. He wants to completely transform us. He wants to take a timid heart and set it ablaze with strength and courage, so much so that people know something supernatural has taken place, life changed just as miraculous as fire coming down from heaven. He doesn't want to just help out a little bit. And isn't that what we do sometimes with Jesus or the Holy Spirit? Like we have a bad day. Oh, 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 it's time to pray. And then, oh, I got, the, I got today. I got the next day. I'm okay. I got this. And then we have a, you know, another bad day. Oh, I need some help now. We just want a little bit. We just want enough peace to get us through the day instead of the peace that passes all understanding. You know? It's like, no, I, I, want, to be, I want to be filled, like continually filled with the Spirit of God. And I have a part to play in that. Like I, I open up the gate to my heart and I tell, I tell the Spirit, you may not think of it this way, but I tell the Spirit how much he can come in, which rooms he can go into. But the cool thing is when I let him in, he is ready to change me. He's ready to change you. There's another passage in Galatians chapter five that's pretty famous. Chapter five, verse 22 and 23 says, but the fruit, by the way, is, is fruit both singular and plural? I think it's both. But, but I was just thinking of it this way. What if, what if that's just singular and he gives us his whole list? He's just saying, no, it's a package deal. He's not saying you could possibly get love or faithfulness. No, the fruit, singular, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Forbearance, I don't like that translation. Nobody says that word. It should be patience. Uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this is like a continual thing. We're keeping in step. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I went ahead and read two more verses because we usually stop. Like love, joy, peace. We, we know what the fruit of the Spirit is. But he's saying, no, I want you to continue to walk in step with me. Walk with the Spirit. Like we're, we're, we're in this together. We're doing this together. So this is what I want us to focus on for the next few minutes. I want you to understand how this gate works. How much I'm going to let him in, right? I, I make that choice. It's not all on me. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to work harder, try harder to be a better Christian. I'm just saying you just, just keep opening up that gate more and more and more and let the Spirit do his thing in your life. 
The last couple weeks, one of the reasons I was so distracted was besides my regular job, we were redoing the floors in our house. And so I would work my regular job, and at night I was getting other stuff done, or I'd shift around, and I'd work on my stuff during, or work on our floor during the day, and then I'd be working at night. I'd get up early in the morning, like five in the morning, I'd work for a few hours, and then we'd start working on the floors again. So basically, here's the idea. We had carpet through most of our house, for 23 years, this carpet, it's 23-year-old carpet, and so then we put in wood, and we did some other painting, we did some other things. So this is like before, after, before, after, right? And it's really cool. We really like it. And it's not even real wood. It's vinyl, and it's waterproof. I haven't dropped a kit on it yet. I don't know if they bounce, but it's, it's nice. It's, it's good, right? They bounced off this. They may not bounce off that as good, but we, we love it. But you know what I found out? That was a lot of stinking work. Now, I didn't do the technical stuff. I'm not stupid. I got somebody who knows how to do it. So I said, hey, can you help me with this? So they did all the cuts, and they knew how to do everything, and I was just their gopher. Like, I'm bringing them stuff, I'm, I'm, and I had to help do some of the prep stuff. So I thought, because I'd never done this before, I thought, we'll, we'll tear out the carpet, and we'll put in flooring. Okay, so we tear out the carpet, and then there's a pad. And we've got to tear the pad out. And then there's these tack strips all the way around the room that have been nailed into the cement that have nails sticking up this way and nails going that way, and you have to get all of those out. And then you have to get this big razor blade tool and scrape the floor because the pad was glued down so it didn't shift under the carpet. So you have to do that. So you're scraping and you're vacuuming and you're scraping and you're vacuuming and you're removing all this stuff. This, this part took entirely too long. I'm just going to tell you right now. So we take all the baseboards out, we painted those. After we did the floor, we brought the baseboards back in. So like all the baseboards around the edge of the floor, on the, on the walls, all that has new paint, you know, so everything was, but man, there was a lot of work besides just putting in floors. Now the reason I'm, I'm sell, telling you this, I'm not selling anything. The reason I'm telling you this, because I think, I think this, this has to do with this gate I'm talking about. One of the things that I do need to do is I need to say, okay, God, I want you to come in, but in order for me to have a, trans, a transformation happen, there is some work I need to do. And this isn't about work harder and try harder, okay? Just please don't hear it that way. This is about me saying, God, I'm gonna get rid of some of the junk. I'm gonna do some scraping. I'm gonna do some vacuuming. I'm going to clear the way so that you can have clear rain and you can go in any room you want. <laughs> uh, in order to do this project, so we, we have a guest room and all of that stuff went into our, our, our room. So there's a, an extra bed in our room up on its side with dressers and everything. That's all in our room. And then I have an office, so I had to wait until everything else was done, and then I took all the stuff out of my office back to the guest room. So that stuff's still in our room, because we just finished this week. That stuff's still there, and this stuff's over here. And then now I'm able to work on the floor in my office, and now I'm starting to put stuff back in my office. But it literally, I was like, you know, you know that, that one room in your house? When people come over, everything's thrown in there and you close the door. You know what I'm talking about? That room. That's the room. By the way, if you invite me over to the house, that's the room I'm going to see. I need to uh, go to the bathroom. 
I want, I want, it's like, as soon as you put a do not trespass sign, I'm there, right? So, but that's, that's what's going on in here sometimes. God, you can have, you can have my living room. My living room is like Thursday night at church. But I don't, I don't want you to go down the hall and look over here. Because that's my relationship. Or that's, that's my work. Or that's the way I act at school. I just, I want to open up that gate as wide as I can. And in order for that gate to all open all the way up, I got to have to clear some debris. I have to give some stuff up. I got I to gotta make some change. I go willingly say, okay, God, help me clean this up. And he will. And it might be painful. I got cuts and there was, there was blood. Maybe there was an old movie used to be called There Will Be Blood. <laughs> yeah, there will be blood when you start doing flooring and stuff, right? This is, this is what I want us to do. I want to, I want to end our service differently. I, let's, let's bring the lights down for a little bit. I want you to put your hands nice and open right there. This isn't about me. I don't, I don't, I'm not watching you. I just I want you to have your hands out like this. And we're going to start. I'm going to just guide you through praying. I'm going to ask you to just release some stuff. Get rid of some stuff. It's in the way. The gate can't open all the way up because you got stuff in the way. So that's where we're going to start. And then we're going to leave our hands open because then we're going to ask God to fill us and make some changes. Even those of you online, just sit there. Just start by praying and, and thanking God that he loves you, even knowing all of the junk and knowing what's going on in your life right now. He absolutely loves you. Just thank him for that. I don't know what these things are going to be, but I just want you to start praying, saying, God, you know this isn't right. I know this isn't right. I want to give this up. I want to get rid of it. So just, like, call it what it is and, and give it to God. Say, I'm, I'm done. Maybe it's an attitude. It's been an unwillingness to, to, to maybe forgive somebody. And it's just holding you back. And give it to them. Maybe the, the thing that's in the way of that gate opening all the way up is just your own agenda, your own pride, your own ego. Just tell God, you know what? You know better than me. Give that to him. There's some sin right now that's just, it's got a hold of you. Keep those hands open and let it go. Ask for his forgiveness. Give it to him. Say, I don't, I don't want this one back. text or conversations with somebody that's not your spouse and you know it's wrong, like this is the time. It's, that's done. It's over. Let it go. There might be one more text that just says, we're never doing this again. I don't know what it is. You, you know what those things are. Just give them to God. Say, okay, I'm done. I'm releasing them. I'm getting them out of the way. 
I'm cleaning house. Maybe you've been harboring resentment. Maybe even resentment toward God just because of the way your life has gone or something that's happened. Give it up. You don't need that taking up space. Keep those hands open. Let me just walk you through some things. Father, fill us with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your gentleness, your faithfulness, your self-control. God, fill us with your spirit not just the byproducts of your spirit, but like fill us with your spirit. God, the moment we begin to clutter things up again, show us, remind us, bring it to our attention through a friend, through a message, through a song, because we want to keep our heart uncluttered. We want to keep that stuff clear so the gate can be fully open, the door can be fully open. We want you to continually fill us. God, we're just going to say thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy. God, I'm going to just say maybe, maybe there's somebody we could submit to this week just as an expression of our submission to you. Somebody we're going to serve this week. Somebody's needs we're going to meet this week. We know they could never pay us back. that in a way that we honor and and worship you. In fact, right now, if you want, just go ahead and stand with us. We're going to use this song as this this way. When we sang it earlier, we're going to just sing this song. We're going to say, okay, God, keep your hands open too, by the way. (laughs) Because while you're getting rid of stuff, dumping stuff, you're also going to be receiving stuff. And so as we sing this song, just make it an opportunity for you and for me that door, to keep that gate wide open. So pay attention to these words. I want you to be able to speak these words, but I also want you to sing these words as we give thanks and as we submit ourselves to him. Let's sing.
Have a wonderful evening. We'll see you next week.